Thank you for joining us for live paranormal radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. It's Haunted Playground right here on the live Paranormal Radio Network and iHeartRadio.com. We're also at Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podomatic, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, iVox, and more. I'm your host, Sheena Metal. I'm a psychic medium. I'm an interfaith minister. I'm a 28-year talk radio host. I'm a creative and performing artist. And I come to you live from my home in Southern California every weekday at 3 o'clock Pacific time. This show is about everything that lives beyond the realm of the three dimensions. So whether you want to talk about is there a God or is there life after death or you think there's a Loch Ness Monster in your above-ground swimming pool, it all belongs here. And every week on the show, I gather folks that I believe to be the brightest and loveliest and most beautiful minds and hearts and souls in both the paranormal and the spiritual community. And we talk about all things that go bump in the night. And my guest today, for a very long time, he's a wonderfully talented um, uh, producer and director and cinematographer, and he was part of, of course, the very infamous San Pedro case, um, wonderful filmmaker, um, fantastic paranormal expert, and I'm so glad to have him here. Please welcome to the show um, the wonderful Barry Conrad. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hi, Sheena. Great. It's good to hear from you. It's so good to have you here. You're like one of my favorite people in the paranormal community. It's, oh, I'm always so happy when I'm like, oh, it's fairy day. So, <laughs> well, um, thank you. That's very sweet. Thank you so much. Good to be here. It's your first time with us here at KGRA. Um, everybody, yeah, obviously knows about the San Pedro case and that you were involved in the original crew that went out there. Um, paranormal get sort of on your radar as a person. I mean, were you already fairly ensconced in the community by then? Was that what really did it for you? What you know, what what interested you in the paranormal in the first place? Oh, it's a good question. Uh, actually, it goes back um, briefly to my youth. Really, when I was a, a boy growing up on a farm in Ohio, I grew up on a corn farm there. My mother, I remember, had a group of people over one night, and they were playing a Ouija board of all things. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I really didn't know much about Ouija board. I got the kind of the idea of what it, they were trying to communicate with spirits and so forth. But, um, and I really don't remember what they were asking because it's been so many years ago. And, but I do remember they were ooing and aahing over all of these uh, communications they were getting. It seemed like the, I mean, they had their, they had their hands on the planchette and it was moving, but it seemed like it was pulling them. It was moving very, very fast. And um, that's kind of um, started it. And then I'll tell you one other thing. I, I, this is a really bizarre, bizarre, uh, I guess, synchronicity or something. And, and I've always felt that there's um, a rhyme and a reason to everything in life. And um, 
we were on a trip. Uh, it was in uh, 65. And I remember we went down around Christmas time to uh, visit some relatives in Florida in uh, St. Petersburg area. They were friends of my grandmother on my mom's side, uh, Rebecca McKinney. And I remember there was a an author, and I used to like his books, because I, I, as I said, I started reading uh, stuff a little bit on the paranormal after that original Ouija board thing with my mom. I was just kind of interested in stuff like that. Uh, I, for some reason, it, it, it attracted me. And uh, it was a book called Stranger Than Science. And I don't know if you remember that author or not. He's passed away a long time ago. His name was Frank Edwards. He's been the Mutual uh, uh, Network, uh, radio network, I believe. And he had a show, I suppose. I don't remember hearing any of his shows, but he was from Indiana. And I'm reading a story as we're driving into St. Petersburg. And I'm in the car, and I'm, well, I'm very young man. You know, I'm like 14, something like that. And I have my, I know my sister was there, my brother, and my dad's driving. My mom's there, and I'm reading a story in Stranger Than Science. And I remember the name of the chapter. It was called The Incredible Cremation. Have you heard of um, spontaneous human combustion, Sheena? Yeah, fascinated by it. Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, it's where people have experienced, um, you know, extreme uh, temperatures and actually wound up dead sometimes. And uh, there's been no explanation. Well, there was a story, and it, it was it happened in around 1950 or 51 in St. Petersburg, and it was a lady named Mary Reeser. I remember the name. It was called The Incredible Cremation, as I mentioned. And I'm reading the story, and I'm fascinated. As we're, as we're driving along, and we're actually going into St. Petersburg, and I find out that the story about Mary Reeser's demise, she had been um, – uh, I think she was uh, fairly elderly at the time, but she had been out with her son for dinner the night before, and he had dropped her off. She had a uh, there was like a one level uh, building there, uh, all ground floor, and he had a number of apartments. And he dropped her off at her apartment and said good night. And uh, the next day, Mrs. P.M. Carpenter, who lived across the street, uh, who was very accustomed to having coffee with her at a certain hour in the morning, you know, went over and knocked on her door and she didn't answer, which was kind of odd. She always was receptive to having coffee at a certain time. It was part of their ritual. And uh, no one answered. And when she touched the door handle, uh, it was too hot to touch. And uh, she went and I guess called someone and said, this is kind of odd. There's maybe there's a fire or something. Well, when uh, the fire department arrived, they went in and they found Mary Reeser's remains, uh, she had been sitting in an armchair the night before, and uh, they were just, you know, ashen bones, really. It was the amazing part of her skull, whatever the heat was, was so intense that it just, that it uh, killed her, was uh, reduced very small. It was almost like it would take a 3,000-degree temperature to reduce the skull in size to that degree, but it was... Interesting, and it's weird because nothing else in the apartment was burned except the only thing that they saw, uh, well, the the armchair she was sitting in was reduced to coils and springs, and there there was a very uh, mysterious ash, sooty, ashen-like substance that surrounded the perimeter of the walls and the, of the lower part near the floor. And so anyway, wow. I'm reading this. 
story, you know, and I'm reading it and it, here's the, here's the giveaway. Um, it says in this book by Frank Edwards, it says that it happened at 1200 Cherry Street, Northeast St. Petersburg, Florida. I never forgot that address because as we're driving in, I said, I said to my father, I said, Hey, dad, you know, wow, this would be great. I said, I'm reading a story. And I said, we're going into St. Petersburg and, uh, I would love to see where this happened. I said it happened, this cremation happened in the same city where we're driving into. And I remember my dad said, do you know how big St. Petersburg is? You know, we're, you know, we're not going to go track down some cockamamie story like that. And, well, the amazing thing was the name of my grandmother's friends, uh, I remember the last name was Steely, S-T-E-H-L-I-E, and they used to live in Hamilton, Ohio, and they moved down to St. Petersburg. Well, they lived the front of their house faced another street, but uh, perpendicular on the other side, directly across from the house. When we arrived at our relatives or our friend's house, my grandmother's friend was directly across was 1200 Cherry Street. And that was the same place. And I remember that I was so excited. I really wanted to uh, check out the, I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, I wanted to go check out the apartment and I forget what the number was, but I remember I, I I walked up to the door after we had greeted our friends, you know, and then I ran back across the street and walked and walked up and knocked on the door. And of course, this is many years later. This was in '65, and someone else was living here. I remember a middle-aged woman answered the door, and I told her, "Hey, my name's Barry." And I said I read this story in this book, and I showed her the book, and she didn't know anything about it until she looked at the book and she saw it was the same address, and she got all scared, and she actually slammed the door on me. <laughs> so, so I don't, I don't blame her. I thought, well, there goes my paranormal uh, career, you know, right there. You know, I was, I mean, not that I was thinking of a career, but you know, I was so fascinated. You know, I mean, what are the odds of that? What are the odds of my reading that story? It's got to be a million to one. I mean, maybe more. I don't know. Yeah, we would wind up. So I felt like there's a meaning to things in life. And, of course, if I look back on what really, you know, uh, catalyzed my interest in paranormal I really got to say that was it. And I remember taking a, you know, took a little grainy picture of the of the apartment building. And my uh, our neighbor, I mean our friends who lived across the street, they were a little incredulous about it. And they they uh, did some research because uh, they'd only lived there a couple of years. They didn't know anything about it. And they did some research. They found out that arson experts had come in and blocked off that whole street for a week. And even the FBI came into it. And I don't think. Uh, fire experts or the fire department or anybody ever came up with a plausible or rational explanation for what destroyed Mary Reeser, except, you know, that's a phenomenon that uh, has been reported uh, sporadically over the years. It's SPH spontaneous or SHC spontaneous human combustion is the name of that phenomenon. And of course it's happened, but it, it's just, what are the odds of that happening? And I remember I wrote, I had a scrapbook and I wrote up, the story about how this happened, and I had one little cranny black and white picture of the of the apartment, and I never forgot it. Never forgot it. It was just amazing to me how that could be. Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating, right? I mean, it's um, uh, yeah, and it's interesting the coincidences, and we still don't know much about spontaneous human combustion, right? We really don't know 
why sometimes yeah. people just cremate themselves. Yeah, and, and and there have been other people. Um, I was on a, I was on a show uh, years ago. I think it was uh, was an American Journal. I think years ago with Nancy Glass, and uh, they interviewed us about, I believe, the San Pedro case at that time. And they were looking for the real life X Files. The X Files was popular at the time, and and I remember, I don't remember the details, but there was a gentleman up in San Francisco area, I think, and he didn't die of SHC or whatever, um, but uh, he was in a in a public place somewhere, restaurant or something, and, and he actually started his arm started smoking. Smoke started coming out of his arm, and uh, he was not uh, harmed in any way, and he felt a, a, a tingling sensation in his arm. And other people witnessed it, but uh, you know there was never any explanation for that. I guess you could say, well, maybe he was a magician or tried to pull something on somebody, but. I guess that's always feasible, but he came across very, very credible. And the only other thing I can think that kind of, it's not a SEC exactly, but there was a, a case. I'm not sure if they ever solved it or not. It was out in uh, Riverside, California, around that same time. It was in the in the 90s where there was a woman um was taken into an emergency room, as I recall. And she, uh, I believe she'd had a, suffered a, you know, had a, cardiac arrest or something like of that nature. She was in, in bad shape. And um, the people that were in the emergency room that were attending to her, the nurses and then the doctors and everything, they saw fumes. Uh, they described them as fumes coming out of her body, emitting out of her body. And they started, some of these people, medical people started passing out. They never explained what that was. Now, maybe since that time, maybe they have explained it uh, it's not, but to my knowledge, it was not explained, at least at that time. So that was another weird thing. It wasn't exactly SHC, but it was just real weird how certain things, you know, the body can give off certain uh, weird uh, uh, signatures of energy at times. And uh, But that lady did pass away. But not couldn't find anything wrong with her. Fascinating, right? Oh, yeah, fascinating. I mean, uh, they couldn't find anything wrong with her. I think they did a, a biopsy or autopsy or whatever, but they never could find anything uh, chemically wrong with her body that would produce a fume like that. They could see it like a filminess in the air, and and people were passing out and all these kind of things. So that that, that was really odd. So, as Frank Edwards' books, uh, the title of his book said, it was called Stranger Than Science. That's the book I was reading as we were driving into Florida, and boy, there are so many stories out there uh, like that. And the only other thing that I can think of, you asked me earlier kind of what my beginnings were. Well, there was um, in this area, there was an old house, and I have a picture of it somewhere, on River Road in Fairfield, Ohio. And it looked like the epitome of a haunted house. It was was a very gothic looking place. It was over a hundred years old and it was uh, abandoned. It wasn't, well, the owner was very elderly and when his mother died uh, in that house, uh, he left everything intact and he moved and, and built another little bungalow right next door. And one night uh, my mother and I were driving down River Road, kind of, kind of late at night, about 11 o'clock. And we saw a light, a, a flickering light coming from the upper bedroom and, and she contacted uh, his name was Tony Huber and she contacted him. I think they were friends of, of my grandfather's and 
and he said that no one was in the house and there was no light, couldn't have been a light. So that could have been something natural maybe, but I, I don't know. That was just always uh, that. Again, that piqued my my curiosity. And uh, and then uh, I had a cousin that that uh, that uh, also went there, and uh, years later. Uh, uh, he said he had seen something looking through a window, and so my my other cousin, uh, his name was Dale Snodgrass. We went went up there, walked up there. Uh, it was actually not even dark, and we were looking <clears throat> through the front window to see if we could see anything. And we thought we saw a a, a shiny or glimmering white, uh, like a woman in white or something, like floating down the staircase. But it was so quick that we never thought that it was real. We thought maybe it was, uh, you know, because the sunlight was maybe setting on that side of the house. Maybe it was a trick of the, you know, maybe it cast some kind of reflection. So I never was positive about that. But that was really weird. So that's those are the things I think, you know, from my my youth that I remember that kind of uh, sparked the interest. And, uh, of course, I'm still at it today. So I teach a class called uh, Are You Haunted, a workshop, because I kind of feel like once you've had some kind of experience, right, whether it's paranormal, spiritual, or um, psychic, or a ufology experience, you're, you're never the same after that. And there's also a very high percentage, Barry, right, that once you had one, you'll have another, or five more, or ten more. So I call it being haunted. It's a little bit like you're being you're touched a little bit, you know, and yeah. um, I think definitely the case, right? Once it happens once, then suddenly you find yourself in these situations where spending all the time, and oh, and you're yeah, absolutely at that point. Yeah, absolutely, and it's like you know we were talking, you know, uh, that last show we did was on the San Pedro case, which really was, you know, you know that case was the mind-boggling is what happened there where it hanged my friend in the attic of the house. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people will go online and they'll try to blast it and they'll say, oh, you know, the lights we picked up, those are just all insects and couldn't have happened. They were all actors and all this. But I always say, were, were, were they there? They weren't there, you know. But people are so off quick to judge uh, phenomena without having been there. Now, I'm not saying that there's not fraudulent paranormal stuff that goes on but this has been my um mo has been uh, as a camera guy it's been to try to uh capture something tangible on camera as a camera as a news cameraman for many years and i always thought that i didn't want it to be you know uh the fish that got away story i mean it's, there's a lot of incredible stories out there more than we'll ever know um, but great today with the technology because more people are capturing it on their cell phones and things like that. Everybody's yeah. got a camera on them, essentially, you know. But yeah, unless you're there, when you, as you mentioned, when you're there and you have that experience, then you know, you know that something yeah. is out there, and that makes all the difference, all the difference in the world. Yeah, and then, and then you become more susceptible. To having yeah. a future experience, um, it's like they can feel that you're somebody who is one of them now, and you become more. It's really kind of fascinating. That's the wonderful thing it about is. the paranormal community that now we have other people that we can outwardly talk to about things. 
Yeah. And um, yeah. outward stare. Oh my God, that happened to you too? What the hell? Yeah. And and the the uh the takeaway uh, I think from all of this is that you know, once you have an experience, you realize that the universe is a lot more mysterious and unfathomable than even any one human being or anybody can imagine. It's there's so many things out there and we're at I've always felt we're at the tip of a very large iceberg. There's so many different facets of the paranormal that we just don't know about. And there's so many different uh, things that have happened. There was a, you know, um, I was, I, I remember there was a, a, just to show you how diverse some of the phenomena is, there was a guy, do you remember a fellow by the name of uh, Ted Sirios? Does that ring a bell? Yeah, I yes, don't know. I do. Can I remember that? Uh, there was a, I, I, I had a, uh, a book somewhere where they talked about him. Now I ever, I never met him. He's passed on many years ago. And I think he might've been in Colorado or somewhere. I'm not real sure. His name was Ted Sirius. And what he would do, I, as I recall, he had, he had, uh, he developed a thing called photography and photography. He could, um, see images or he could pick up images in his brain and then uh, I forget, uh, he would take and put his hands on Polaroid film and, and the images would come out on Polaroid film. I believe that's what was going on. But it's called photography. So that just gives you an idea how diverse and how strange and different. Now, the, the, the phenomenon can be, but there was a television show. Now, you know, Twilight Zone, one of my favorites, but again, that was mostly fictionalized uh, from Rod Sterling. He's one of the great writers, you know, obviously. The, um, there was a show, and I, I'll bet you remember it. Do you remember a show called One Step Beyond? Absolutely, sure. Um, trying to think of it. John Newland was the host of that show, and again, that was, it was like, I think that was the first show that came out in 59. It was the first show that ever did purportedly true stories of the paranormal. So, you know, I started watching it you know, sometime in the 60s, they were rerunning the broadcasts, and I thought, wow, this, this is cool because these are purportedly true stories of the strange and unknown, and John would always come on and, and host it, kind of like what Serling did. And uh, But what, what amazed me was that there were some uh, incredible stories, and, he, and, he, and it doesn't matter what time you're, time zone you're in, like they would go back to like the Civil War days, for instance, there was one where um, incredible story about uh, a man named Jess Bradley, I believe the guy's name was, and he was a he was a Confederate soldier, and he had been captured. He was actually hungry. He had left his uh, regiment, and it was towards the end of the war, and and he was starving, and he was hanging around a Union encampment, unfortunately, trying to steal food, I guess, and they they caught him. And, of course, he was arrested, as, and they charged him as being a spy, which he was, and he just was hungry, basically. And he had his dog with him. I forget what kind of dog it was, but, but the, the dog was uh, tied up to a tree, and then he was going to be executed the next day. And, uh, and the, the dog would howl. And uh, the guy, uh, the, the, uh, the union general was uh, very heartless, went out and actually shot the dog. And the next day when when they went out to execute Jess Bradley, you know, they had the troops out there in the forest and they were going to shoot him like fire, by firing squad. 
um, they uh, saw the man uh, on his knees. He was like gesturing like there was something. He was throwing his head back, like licking him, but they couldn't see it. And they heard the sounds of a dog. This is after the dog had been shot the night before. And when the, uh, the, the, the commander of that unit came out, the one that arrested Bradley in the beginning, and was going to, in, in order to be executed, he came out and wanted to know why they hadn't fired, had shot him yet, you know. And as he was out there trying to find out what was going on, he kept ordering him to, to, to fire on him, and they wouldn't do it. And there was, all of a sudden, out of the blue, they heard these these uh, terrible growling sounds, like a dog, and the guy's throat was gutted right in front of all these troops. Uh, and he died right there. They let the guy go. I don't know if you've ever heard that story. It's an amazing story. No, it's a fantastic story. Um, yeah, isn't that amazing? And they didn't really know what had happened, you know. Uh, but they know yeah, he was dead and his throat was torn up, torn open, you know. I was just watching a show on uh, Travel Channel this morning, yeah. and it was a, a ghost had possessed, you know, was haunting a house and telling this young kid that lived in the house, he had to hurt the animal. <clears throat> the adult, who was like his mom's friend, who they were in, who you were interviewing, was telling the story. It was yeah. one of those like my ghost stories. Oh, and everybody knows that um, harming an animal is a can lead to much more serious crimes. And I thought, what more serious crime is there than harming an animal? I mean, exactly. to kill an. You know what I mean? Like just an innocent who just wants to love you, and then you just you hurt them. Yeah, I think there's a lot of vengeance out there for those kinds of crimes. And um, no, absolutely, absolutely. Spirits and interdimensional spirits, earth spirits. Sometimes I think these spirits. Uh, we always hear stories about them, like disrupting a person's life and just a regular person. And but what if sometimes they're actually enacting their vengeance on somebody who's done something not good? Yeah. I think some exactly. Subtle... Exactly. I'm sorry, Shane. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I kind of broke up there for a second. Now I got you. <laughs> um, I think sometimes yeah, spirits settle scores just like people do. Yeah, yeah, I believe that's true. It's sort of like karma, you know. And uh, yeah, but um, you know, I I was one of the co-creators of my ghost story, the TV series that came out years ago yeah, and uh, and I was trying to get more real stuff uh uh you know that was people that caught on camera and I remember this isn't a a vengeance story or anything like that but there was a, a story that just came to mind it was a, a phenomenal there was um unfortunately it was a lady named Tracy Martin I don't know if you remember the story but she had actually celebrating her divorce, I guess she was in a bad marriage or something, and she got divorced and had a little party with her friends and had too much to drink, was coming home. She was driving a pickup truck. She used to wear uh, overalls, uh, blue overalls, and uh, unfortunately on the way home she hit a pole and she died at the scene from the impact. And I guess the ex-husband came by to, to get some of her belongings out of her, her pickup truck. It was in a place called Puckett's Garage, and it's uh, and I went out there and investigated it, and uh, and I interviewed several people uh, because what happened there was 
the, after the person had come out and got some of her belongings out of the truck, I believe it was that same night, uh, the, the whole thing, you know, is all fenced off. You know, it's, it's very secure. Nobody can get in there after hours. And there was a, a fellow by the name of, last name was Peacock, and uh, another lady that worked a graveyard shift. And they saw her spirit come uh, paralyzed out of thin air on the cameras, and it was rotating around, fly, hovering above, in a circular fashion, above the pickup truck. And she's wearing overalls, and it's very, very clear. You can see her, you know, it's picked up on the security cameras. And that was an amazing story. So, uh, wow. You know, you wonder maybe there's something there. Maybe it was in the truck that she wanted, maybe he didn't get, or maybe she wanted, I, who knows? There's no re, you know, rhyme or reason for it, but she was there, but it was yeah. the truck where she died. And it fit the same description. She was, she, she was wearing the overalls when she died. It was the same clothing she had on when she died. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's a weird one. We're we're just really we're going really off there. They have a fun. When I was little, my mom told me this story about a friend of hers that had been in a car accident in a remote area, had been thrown from the car, <clears throat> had a small child with her, and was pinned and couldn't get out of the car. Screamed so loud, somebody help me! This truck driver shows up. Wow. Gets her out of the car. Says he puts her, puts her safely along the side of the road. Says yep. he's going to go for help. Disappears. A couple minutes later, help shows up. They know nothing about the truck driver. Tall blonde wow. guy, big white truck. Ten years before my mom died. Her mm-hmm. car broke down in a kind of a remote place in the city that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't walk to a gas station. She was walking with a cane. She calls AAA. They tell her they're super busy, and they're going to have somebody there in 45 minutes. Five minutes later, a guy pulls up in a white tow truck, beautiful, big-built, blonde, Adonis-looking guy, calls her by mm-hmm. her first name, tells her he's going to fix the truck, the car. She said, well, I don't know. He got out of the car, literally put his finger on the ignition, and the car started. Told her she was going to be fine. Got in the car and drove off. Wow. Uh, five minutes later, she gets a call from AAA saying, we're so sorry. We don't have a guy there yet. We're still busy. It's going to be another 20 minutes. She's like, your guy was just here. So Wow. Wow. I'm telling that story to a friend of mine who lived in the middle of Montana. Mm-hmm. And he says, I can't believe you told me that story. He said, three years ago, my truck broke down in a snowstorm. In the middle of Montana, I called my wife. We were both trying to figure out how we're going to get out to me. He's like, I just had gotten up to take the kid to school. I'm literally in a T-shirt and my boxer shorts, and there's a foot of snow outside. And out of the blue, I see headlights, and a big white truck pulls up. And the guy rolls the window down and says, are you going to be okay, and uses my first name. And I said, my cart's screwed. There's no way I'm going anywhere. There's a snowstorm. The guy gets in the car, touches the steering wheel, it starts, he drives away, and I never see him again. So I'm thinking oh, to myself, wow. is any, described exactly the same, all in white, blonde hair, big Adonis-looking yeah. guy. And now we're talking yeah. about my cowboy friend who was like the toughest, you know, hardcore fundamentalist Christian. I don't believe in the hooey, 
You know what I mean? Right. Is right. there some kind of a, a like a like a like a toad angel or interdimensional or something who drives around as a do-gooder? I even have a fourth story that an ex of mine told me once that when he was a kid, he and his mom broke down in a station wagon in the middle of nowhere. And there was nobody around, and the two of them couldn't push the car. And out of the blue, mm-hmm. this truck rolls up, and this guy gets out, drives exactly the same description, pushes the car oh literally by himself into the gas station and disappears. So who is this guy? <laughs> Boy, that's a good one. That's, it is hard to say. Right? But Who is this yeah. guy that drives around pushing a car with one hand, starting a car with a finger, uh, right. recharging a battery by touching a steering wheel in all kinds of weather, knows everybody's first name, and then disappears. I mean, wow. you don't want to get all oh, woo-woo, because we know, Barry, I get woo-woo, but it sounds yeah. like an angelic, <laughs> right? Like it's like some kind of – I call him the tow truck angel. I would say something angel, angelic, yeah, because, you know, they can. I think if they can take in – take on whatever form that they want they possibly could if they're if they're an energy being you know right. and it's the same thing with you know people who, who experience hitchhiking ghosts they can actually get in your car and look very physical and touch you right. and things like that and then they'll disappear in the next instance you know but no i believe in angels and i believe that they're out there and i just think every now and then and of course in this case it sounds like it's it's, it's kind of a, a running game where they've been doing it quite consistently you know right which exactly is since amazing. before born so like a helper like we hear all the stories about angelics that like you know i got in a car accident yeah. and i'm laying unconscious in the middle of the road and I look up and I see this face or I die on the operating table and this face comes and takes me to this white light and then I decided to come back. I mean, we see all of that. Although I'm going to tell you, oh, yeah. I had a near-death experience. I was 23 and I did see somebody in my car as I crossed over and he looked nothing like that. But right. he was all in white, kind of an oatmeal color white, but he looked nothing yeah. like that. He was dark. He had a beard and long black hair. He did not look at all, long brown hair. He did not look at all like the tow truck angel. But what if there is like a, an angelic or a, a, a fleet of angelics and their whole thing is to rescue people who are stranded? I mean, that's kind of beautiful, right? So what a great thing to know that if you're ever really stuck somewhere, maybe the tow truck angel will come. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I, I believe that just every now and then something happens like that, and and they can uh, take probably take some kind of human form and uh, affect matter. There was a there was a thing that came to mind. Uh, you may have heard this. I was doing the TV series Real Stories of the Highway Patrol back in uh, early nineties, ninety three, ninety six, and uh, one okay. of the ladies. She worked. She worked in the office, and the, uh, she knew I was in, uh, interested in paranormal. I had done the San Pedro case in '89, and she told me about a story. Now you may have seen this. I know they've recreated this on TV, but there was a lady. I believe she was driving to Placerville. She was out of Orange County. She had her little boy. Uh, her name was Christine Scooby. She had a little boy uh, named Nikki Scooby. I remember the name now, and I think he was very, very young. I mean. I don't know if he was maybe the most a couple of years old, maybe two or three years old. I don't know. But she had 
gotten sleepy all along the road on the, the plaster rough right route that was out there and it was late at night and um she had gone uh, down an embankment hit a tree and she died on impact they later determined she had died on impact and the little boy uh was laying in the car next to the mother uh the police later ascertained that he had not gotten out of the car but here's the thing there was another couple that were driving down the same highways that night. And uh, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't even that night. It was like a week later, week later, this lady had not been found yet. She was down at the bottom, still impacted into that tree in the car. And, um, Mm. and so they're driving and they thought they saw, uh, this couple thought they saw a nude woman on the side of the, road on the berm, you know, like laying on her side in a fetal position. And they backed, you know, they stopped, they backed up, they got out, didn't see anything. So they went down to a call box, called the CHP and a guy came out. He went back, didn't see anything either, but he was so um, impressed by their story, by their apparent sincerity that he decided to go back in daylight hours. He went back and he found a little boy's tennis shoe lying on the berm there where the people said they saw the naked woman. And he followed, uh, he saw, he noticed some tire tracks uh, that went down the embankment. That's how they found the car. So you wonder, they they ascertained that the boy, little boy had not even been out of the car. And he was near, well, probably Mount Urish. They hadn't eaten anything for that whole week. But the woman, the mother, was dead in the car. you got to wonder, was it her spirit? that somehow, you know, uh, somehow manifested or uh, apported the tennis shoe up to the berm up along the the highway to get somebody's attention or like the cop's attention the next day. And maybe it was her, uh, you know, she wasn't, you know, she had clothes on. She didn't die nude or anything, but maybe she was able to manifest that to get someone else's attention just to draw attention to the area. So, um, I don't know. Uh, there was the boy as he got older said he did see a being of light that looked sort of angelic that came up and said he would be okay or something like it would communicate it to him some way. He felt like a sense of well-being when he saw this this being, but I don't know if the woman spirit or an angel, but it reminded me of that when you were talking about these other figures that are out there that sometimes – you know, come into the world of men and physical reality and are able to manifest like that. So, but I do believe in angels. I believe it at times they do show up. And uh, yeah. so it's amazing. I, you can write a whole chapter on that story you told me, <laughs> you know, about the the tow truck right, driver exactly. or <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. Thing in life is tied in together, right? Isn't that interesting? So my mom yeah. had heard that from her friend um, when, before I was even born and, yeah. um, and, you know, then she has that strange experience. And then in telling me and me telling that story to two people in my life, I yeah. hear that same story. Oh my God, that same thing happened to me, and I didn't even really think about it. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. My mom thought about it because AAA had called five minutes later saying we're not we're not sending somebody, and they're like, but he, she was like, he's just here. Because when he got out of the truck, she didn't think like, oh, this is the tow truck angel. 
see that, you know, this is some hot beach dude who drives a tow truck, and thank God I didn't have to wait an hour. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. How those, those kinds of things happen um, and how yeah. we're all tied together. You know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's, a, it's a strange thing. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a strange story. So when I was a, a sophomore in high school, my, well, the summer I was a freshman, my mom decided she was going to send me to driving school so I didn't have to do a whole semester of um, yep. of driving high school. And it was mostly because she and, had bought me a car, and she well, we had bought a car together, my money, her money, pooled, and she wanted me to spend the summer driving with my best friend and her boyfriend who were 18 to get a lot of driving experience in and with her until I got my license. So she right. sent me this driving school super remote part of Anaheim, California, before Anaheim became the Disney mecca it is now. That's yes. when you could park in the parking lot at Disneyland and walk in. And oh, yeah. it was in this, like, area. So it was nine to eight to five every single day. It was grueling and boring and unbelievably boring. Um, the only good part was getting in the car. And every day at lunch, we had to walk to lunch. And the only place we could go to was this Carl's Jr. And it was, like, two blocks away. And mm-hmm. in between the building and the Carl's Jr. was a mortuary. And for some reason, Whoa. every day they would be, you know, cremating people. And I was oh, yeah. so out and sick to my stomach walking by that place. Now, I had been to crematoriums. Almost everybody in my family got cremated when I was little. So I had been around um, everything. Cemetery- my mom loves scrying in cemeteries. Um, I loved, you know, she took my brownie troop there when she was our, our brownie counselor. Um, right. You know, the mausoleums. I've been all, I had no problem with any of those. For some reason, this place filled me with the worst feeling of sadness. And I could, that walk to that Carl Jr. and back was the most depressing thing that happened to me yeah. in my teenage years. <clears throat> For no reason. Yeah, energy energy was palpable, yeah. Five years later, I'm on the phone with my best friend, and I have the Waze program going, and I'm going to pick up my mother's ashes. And I get off this exercise time. Well, now it's all built up, right? There's stuff everywhere. And I turn this corner, say to my best friend, who was ironically the best friend that my mom wanted me to drive with, with the permit, still my best friend. And right. I said, I, I, I know this neighborhood is familiar. And I started to get that feeling from high school. And there it yeah. was. It was the same mortuary that I had to walk past as a kid in traffic school. And there were my mother's ashes. Wow. Wow. Now, the weird, Anaheim was pretty far away for me to go to driving school because I grew up in Huntington Beach. It's a good half hour. And oh, sure. I ordered her ashes in Huntington Beach. So Anaheim's pretty far away. The fact oh, sure that both is. of those passed that place and I felt so sad. And I believe it's because all time kind of exists at once. And somehow yeah. I made the connection that that was going to be the saddest day of my life to drive up to that place. Because there, there is nothing freakier than walking into a place and picking up a box that has your mother in it. Like, it is oh, just, my God. it's a trip. I mean, even if you think you're prepared for it and you're a spiritual yeah. person, 
know her soul is someplace else, and I saw her soul leave her body when she died, still there is something about walking into a place and they literally hand you a plastic file box with your best friend in it. It is a trip. And I think somehow that kind of thing, as a matter of fact, I'm I'm writing a book about her life and everything I learned from her. And that's the first chapter is that. Because it was like it started with, there's a book is called Lessons from the Ashes. And it it literally was, it starts with that weirdness. But I think we have those kind of things in our lives all the time, right? Yeah, and I think you're probably sensitive to it. You know, there's more, uh, you know, I mean, if you go, the more you you know, talk to people, it, it's just seen that some people have a, a built-in sensitivity, maybe from the time they were born, you know, they have it. Maybe they don't yeah. realize it when they're kids, but as they get become adults, you know, uh, yeah. and they get more aware of the world and the, 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 the reality around them, they uh, develop it more maybe or something. But, but yeah, it sounds to me like you're sensitive to that kind of stuff. And I mean, uh, I think in, you saw, I was thinking about um, there's got to be, uh, and I've heard that there's a lot of stuff that we don't always hear about, but that um, we're a great tragedy has taken place, and you're talking about the your uh, mother's ashes, and that that's that's a tragedy within itself. Whenever you lose a, 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 a any any a parental figure or any part of your family, it's always a it's a big blow, and it's and you're tied to that person. There's an energy there that ties you to that person as well. So you're still linked, you know, even though the person is not there physically, you're linked in an energetic way, I think, and probably. There, she's probably. Uh, does she try to communicate with you at times? Any in, in, in dreams or anything like that? So even in just out, you know, we were both psychics. So even even yeah. just even just while oh, I'm yeah. sitting here, she's laughing. So she thinks that story's fantastic. Um, oh yeah. I think it's a lot, but she thought it was a hoot because she kind of thought my mom had that sort of Irish Murphy's Law kind of thing about her that you know everything yeah. that happened that was weird was almost kind of funny. Right, right, exactly, exactly. What, I'm sorry, she died, she, died of cancer. She, she died of cancer? I'm sorry, was it cancer she died of? No, she died of heart failure. I'm oh, sorry, heart failure. She kind gotcha. of died of heart. Like one day she just decided, we had this weird talk, and she said something about, you know, your life is so exciting right now, and so many things are going on, and you don't need me dragging you down. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she was in rehab trying to get stronger to walk more. And we have this right. talk about, hey, just let's get, let's get you through your rehab time, and then we'll figure out what's going on after that. And then two days later, I got a call. She stopped breathing. Wow. And uh, wow. I went to the hospital, and she lived about three days on a BiPAP machine. And, and it was they said, you know, eventually her blood ox is going down. And I said, can you take yeah. her off the machine so I can talk to her? And they pulled the mask out, and I said, what do you want? And she said, I want to go home. I want you to get me out of here. And I knew she didn't mean go home to the house. So I, I put her in palliative care, and they said, you know, it could take three months. And I think she was dead an hour and a half later. She just literally oh wanted to go. And I think you should be able to if you want to go home. I support that. She was just right. everybody in her life dead except for me. And I think she just, her heart was just broken. And it, I think she always had a heart in the world. 2016, I think, with the presidential election and other things was a, a very hard time in our country. A lot of people hating a lot of people. 
And I just mm-hmm. think she was done with it. And I understand. Right. But right. she had cancer. She had a long illness. Um, it was just all of a sudden she just decided to go home. And um, kind of, I think she cut yeah. her heart off. And we were about uh, 40 minutes after she died was the first time she came to me. And so we've been in communication. She died in, in March of 2016. So we've been, you know, in communication that whole time. And she was really the one who encouraged me to, um, well, didn't really encourage, didn't give me much of a choice, um, as she never did, um, to start my spiritual practice and really gave me the strength to get out there and do things with my gift that she had never had right. sort of the gut to do with her because she was a much more shy and introverted person than I was because she kind of raised herself and I was lucky enough to be raised by her. Right. How, how, what was her age, may I ask, when she passed? She was 82 and a half. 82 and a half. And do you, when you, uh, when you're, uh, sometimes, I mean, this doesn't always happen, but, you know, if you're sensing her, sometimes you ever take pictures and do you ever get, pick up these orbs that we talk about a lot that sometimes it's, sometimes that's an evidence of a spirit you know, I, nature? I don't, because I guess because I know she's there, so I don't even think to do that. But she, um, yeah. she presents herself um, at about the age that she was when I was in high school. So she sort of presents herself around the age I am now. That's how she visual it becomes visual to you in that, like, yep. as a younger person is when she passed. As a middle-aged person, yeah, not just as um, not just in the way she looks, but um, also in the way she, the, how her voice sounds and her energy and right. everything. She doesn't come as like a a frailer older lady. She comes to me at the place in her life when she was the strongest, which for her right. was between like her late forties and her early sixties was her strongest period. That's right, and because she's an energy being now. In the afterlife, right. she can she can manifest that to you because that was probably she was happier then, you know, physically. And then the strongest I think, and boy, the first day as I was walking up into her house, she had passed about forty five minutes earlier, and I was going to, for some reason, I got a pair of my ass that I had to take all her favorite crystals and put them in a box and take them to my house, which is so funny because now I'm living in her house. So I got to go get all those crystals and bring them back. But um, I, oh, man. Didn't, I, didn't want, I didn't want the crystals to be sitting in a vacant house. I wanted them to be with me because they were so much to her, especially her amethyst and her rose quartz were so so important to her. And I was walking right. up the driveway. And you know how when you're like standing in a line at a store and you kind sure. of accidentally, accidentally take a step forward and the person said you bump into each other, we kind of yep. moved through each other. I stepped back and she stepped forward and we moved through each other. And it kind of wow. scared the heck out of both of us in the opposite direction. And that wow. was the first time. And then um, it's, it's, you know, she's around whenever she wants to be around. And now I do my live videos at her desk and uh, I'm in her home with all of her energy trying to turn this into a, a spiritual environment that would make her very happy. And, yeah. um, you know, just honoring her legacy through everything I do spiritually and artistically and as a humanitarian as she would want. 
That's great. I've always said love is stronger than death, you know. And uh, yeah. you're uh, when someone dies, it does not have to I'm, end. I'm sure she appreciates that too. She knows that from the other side as well. You know, she's very, very oh, yeah. attuned to that. So that's yeah, that's absolutely. wonderful. That's wonderful. And sometimes wonderful. random victims who don't know me will pass me somewhere yeah. and just stop and say, your mother is so proud of you, and then just walk on. (laughs) That's right. That's right. They're they're picking it up, too. (laughs) Wow. I was, because you know how birds are transmediums, right, and they let people in. Once I was at a friend's, and, and the parrot looked at me, and the look in his eye was suddenly my mother's eye. And he said, like, um, you know, I love you, baby. And I thought, oh, my God, my mom just stepped into this bird. So I get all kinds of weird stuff like that. She thinks it's hysterical. Hummingbirds were her thing. Hummingbirds, like, hover places where they shouldn't be. My old studio Mm -hmm. before COVID was fourth floor. People would say, you know there's a hummingbird hovering outside of your window? I've never seen a hummingbird up this high. And it would just sit there all during my show and just hover outside. And I know it was her. That sounds like a sign. I work on that with my clients a lot. I was just working with a client on that last night. You don't have to be sad. You just continue the relationship in a different way. Right. That's right. That's right. And um, it's, you know, it's physical manifestations can happen in a lot of different ways because and they could, like you say, yeah. project into that age that they she felt better at, you know, uh, physically better and stronger. And and the guy in the the guy in the tow truck or the 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 Nordic god or whatever you know they could, could maybe just it, it's because energy um, is forever I think energy is forever it's uh, uh, it's that conservation of energy principle whatever that is is uh, it uh, it's you know you never really. Uh, die you just change form you know if you're, you're in a different energy state and the thing was all, all these different hauntings are different i had mentioned my girlfriend uh melody who is having still having problems here um she uh doesn't uh experienced uh, uh a loved one that's passed on here or anything but but she's been uh, a, a, has an attachment kind of case, sort of like the entity case. Uh, and as I think, uh-huh. as there's good and evil, as there's good and evil, I think there is evil as well, as in the San Pedro case where it hangs a guy. And uh, just the other night, I picked up a full-bodied apparition on camera flying over our swimming pool outside, and it's uh-huh. a, a being of light. Uh, usually there are rods of light, but this one has, you can see almost like a armature shoulders. And then, you know, next day she'll wake up with bruises all over her body. So there's all these different types, wow. types of things. There's a great diversity in this field. There's so many different aspects to it. And, uh, but I yeah. really like the human aspect, the human aspect with family ties, like with your mom and stuff like that. When, 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 uh, a loved one comes back and, and that kind of, of a, a situation of the paranormal and they're giving you a sign that they're still there. And I think that happens a lot of times, you know, that there's a lot of tragedy out there and I don't know if they've done, done any research, but you know, if you think of, 
if someone said, what do you think would be the most haunted place? Someone asked me that one time. Well, I would think there's a lot of untold stories, and I've heard stories about tr the tragedies of World War II of, uh, say, Auschwitz, places like that, where you've had millions of people murdered by the Nazis uh, in gas chambers and things of that nature. They're absolutely unthinkable crimes. And I've heard that where the was it uh, the Warsaw Ghetto over in Poland after Hitler had taken over uh, Poland, and he set up these ghettos for the uh, the Jewish people, and uh, and then eventually had uh, set up the final solution, which was totally the most evil thing I can think of, uh, annihilating yeah. people by the millions and gas. It's just unbelievable. I've heard stories where where uh, the Warsaw Ghetto was, where a lot of these people were taken out of their homes and even children executed all these different things. I've heard that whole ground area uh, where that used to be where the Warsaw Ghetto is, is haunted today. It doesn't surprise me. And yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. It's, it's unthinkable, the evil out there, uh, especially in a war situation where people have no uh, compunction about killing other people and things of that nature. That's the real scary thing to me. You know how, I how I, you know one man's brain so warped, you know, uh, attracts all these followers, and and he builds up the military, and and you think about not just the, the Jewish people, but all of the what the Soviet POWs and the the gypsies and and all the you know all the Americans that got into the war and the the British and uh, you know and and the, the yeah. Soviets have lost millions too, but. Uh, but we should talk places, about that next time. We're we're totally out of time, and I hate that we're out of time. But next yeah. time we should talk about that, and I'd love for you to bring your girlfriend with you, and we'll also talk about attachments. Uh, where can people find yeah. you online, my friend? Oh, you know, um, they I have a website, uh, BarryConrad.net. That's more my 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 video site, but. Uh, let me give you my email. If they have a story or investigation or something we need to investigate, it's Barry, lowercase Barry, B-A-R-R-Y, 6351 at gmail.com. And just a bit of good news, uh, two of my shows, as you know, the San Pedro Haunting and Unknown Encounter and California's Most Haunted uh, will soon be on Amazon Prime Video. So, Wonderful. Thank tell, you so much for being here, my friend, and I can't wait to see those bulbs. And let's, I'm going to text you, and we'll set up a date to get you and your girlfriend back. The wonderful Barry Conrad, everybody, if you missed those links, SheenaMetalSpiritual.com or find me on social media at SheenaMetal. Till I see you next time, seek peace, live in love, lead with kindness, embrace unity, always raise your vibration and know that you are loved and you are loved. I'm Sheena Metal. This is Haunted Playground at HauntedPlayground.com liveparanormal.com, iheartradio.com, and all of our affiliates. We'll see you next time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.